It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing, your Derby County podcast. We have an on-the-whistle midweek special following what felt like a must-win game for Paul Warren, even at this early stage of the season. The lacklustre 1-0 defeat at Shrewsbury was only Derby's first league defeat since the start of September. But in that time since, there have been too many draws. Patience has been rapidly shortening. And a manager who fans have said is one-dimensional, who've said he's out of his depth and in a job that's too big for him. Uh, So how much pressure is worn under now? I am Chris Parsons, hello, and picking the bones out of a sixth league win of the season, but only a second at home for the Rams with me are Richard Kutcher. Hi, mate. Hello. Relief. Relief, pure relief to uh, be talking to you, Chris, after three points. Blessed relief. And uh, foot injuries, Anton Martin. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm well. Um, recovering from my, my surgery last week. Much much like Paul Warren's recovering from a, a pretty dodgy weekend as well. <laughs> a somewhat tenuous connection, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> Late doors. Um, let's dive straight into some five-word reviews then of uh, Derby County 2, Exeter City 0, putting Derby up to 8th in the League 1 table. It it was a job it had to be. It was the win that was needed. Uh, Rob Wilcoxon said, much better back for solid. Uh, Elgin, exactly what we needed. Boom. Navsidu said, should beat a shit team. Corkram said, doesn't paper over the cracks. Uh, Alex Fisher said, step in the right direction. Kieran said, much better, still worn out. Um, worn out, not as, not as in worn out, exhausted. Worn out, as in <laughs> worn out. Uh, although they probably are worn out. Uh, DCFC Home said, what we needed Saturday big. Uh, Ram in Sweden said, far better, need more goals. Mick Allen said, Max Bird is top class. Uh, Ashton Wright said, never play James Collins again. Tim West said, that's more like it, Warney. And a few more with the F-bomb in, basically expressing the relief that uh, Kutch alluded to 
a few seconds ago. Um, Kutch, it was the war. It was the win that War needed to. I, I don't want to say buy himself some time, but that's what it felt like. Um, and before the game, it seemed like Paul Warren did sort of respond to some of the calls that fans had been making after the Shrewsbury defeat. Like Louis Sibley was basically in the ten in a more attacking position. There was a lot more intensity and play through the middle, and there were goals. Um, how much time do you feel this has bought Paul Warren in the long term? Well, it's a hard one to say because I think it's certainly the case from you know what we've read and heard from you know fans, fans forums, and our own Discord on Twitter. But you know, patience has worn really thin with a much you know bigger proportion of the fan base than it was just a few weeks ago. Uh, so I think in that side, I think he's lost a lot of goodwill over the last uh, few weeks and months and this the whole first part of the season. I'm not convinced that Klaus will be trigger happy, but we don't know yet, right? We actually we actually have no evidence as to what David Klaus thinks is the best way to run the club, whether it's you know to be trigger happy like a Mel Morris or to be uber patient or somewhere in between. We don't know any of that. So we, we've got no idea what he's thinking. I think Apart from the fact he's given him a, a four-year contract, I suppose. Yeah, but we've seen plenty of chairmen, including Mel Morris, give out long contracts and then, you know, bin them off pretty quickly when things don't go the way he wants. Um, I, I, I imagine, I think we all assume that uh, David Klaus is probably going to be certainly more more patient than Mel Morris uh, and I think quite quite patient. But I do think you're right, Chris. I think Paul Warren is very, very much aware of some of the sentiment towards him. I think some of his uh, post-match interviews and his pre-match presser, he made comments which very much uh, showed that he was kind of reading and listening to what's been said about him and his squad and his coaching staff and his transfer business. So I think he's aware of all of it. I think in terms of buying him time, I don't know if it is actually at that point from David Cloud's point of view. I don't think he's probably seen it as buying him time. But what I will say is, if if he wins, if he wins the next game, wins the next game, every game he wins, he gets himself at least another game you'd expect. So it's about time this team goes on a run. Uh, we've been saying it, unfortunately, too often the last month or so, but we've got plenty of winnable games coming up. We still have plenty of winnable games coming up. Um, so we could win three in a row now, like, and, and that would be great. And suddenly I think people would calm down a bit. So, yeah, it's a really hard one to read because we've got, we've got no idea. But tonight was a slight improvement uh, and I thought particularly second half it was good to see that the kind of the momentum was kept and we did go and look for a second and we probably should have got a third or a fourth uh, it wasn't a fantastic performance but I think it's a win that everyone needed particularly Paul Warren. Anton it seemed to me like it, it was a bit of a tipping point game tonight really like lose tonight or even draw and look the 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 disquiet would have been deafening, really. Who really knows how much people care about these things on, on socials and how much Warren reads into it and how much Klaus cares about it and how much Stephen Pearce reads into it and cares about it. But it seemed like a performance where the players, I don't want to say we're playing for the manager, but there seemed to be that just that little 10% of intensity tonight. Uh, there seemed to be just that bit more desire. Uh, was that, in your opinion, as a result of the opposition, because let's face it, Exeter didn't really offer a huge amount, or was it Derby going all out and doing what they had to, knowing that a win tonight was absolutely non-negotiable? Exeter aren't on a great run, it's it's safe to say, but we've we've faced the likes of 
Cheltenham and, and Shrewsbury in recent games and, and not done the same to them. So it was a step in the right direction and it, it helps to to get the fans on side. I mean, I, I agree with Kutch's sentiments around Klaus not looking likely to be trigger happy, but the more discontent comes from fans, the the more likely he is to, to listen to those fans because it's a, it's a tough job to get them back on side. And it, it, it already will be a tough job for Paul Warren to get them back on side. But I, it, it was it was certainly a step in the right direction today. Um, the, the main differences were the, the, the tempo and aggression in Exeter's half. There were there were phases throughout um, the game today where we just didn't let them out. Um, and they, they couldn't let, lay a glove on us, to be honest. And also the bravery of getting men forward. I think so often this season it's been so frustrating that we haven't pushed men forward, we haven't got men in the box, and it's almost felt like Warns wanted to just kind of stay tight and stay in the game for the first 60, 70 minutes and then try and nick something late on, which there's potentially a time and a place for that when you're playing away from home against the likes of a, a Bolton or a Portsmouth. But in the majority of games in League One, especially at home, we have to get on the front foot and we have to kind of put teams to the sword like, like we did to an extent today. I think there's still plenty of room for growth, but um, it's it, it's positive. Um, so if, if we can... If we can look to learn from that, and I, th- I think Paul Warren's very much still learning from it. I'm, I'm, I'm still a little bit on the fence about whether whether Warren's the right man for the job. I think that he can turn it around. I genuinely believe that he's he's still learning, and if he can take some of the positives from the likes of today and and the likes of of Blackpool as well, which which it's easy to forget it was only four games ago, fans were really kind of cooing over that performance because um, it was probably our best performance this season. We saw kind of um, similarities um, tonight. And if we can lean on that and put on a bit of a run, put three or four games winning streak, as Kutch says, then fans will get on side and suddenly it's a different story. Kutch, let's look at the goals then. Um, we should spend ages on this because how many times have we got to talk about goals and a home <laughs> win? <laughs> um Feels I genuinely not quite sure what to say and how to approach this uh, part of the pod, but um, yeah, two goals and goals uh, which were much needed for the players involved as well as for the manager uh, Nathaniel Mendes Lang's first of the season and Connor Washington's first at Pride Park. Uh, the first one, lovely little move, I felt for that first goal. A nice little cushioned layoff from Fozzie Max Bird with a pick out and then not really the, the sort of strike you see that often from uh friend of the pod NML bit of a was it a bit of an outside of the foot job but it was overall the sort of clinical football which we've been crying out for and, and which I, I imagine Warren has been banging his head against the wall trying to get the players to produce in training from matches it was um it was well worked back to front wasn't it uh, yeah, it was. I'm not sure who played the ball out originally to Fozzy, but yeah, perfectly cushioned pass into Max Bird. And he, he, Max Bird found space in that uh, inside left channel quite a few times, I thought, throughout the match and was really creative when he got into that area. And he, and he pulled that back just across perfectly, just in front of a six-yard box, I think maybe about eight, ten yards out for Mendes Lang. I don't, don't think it was outside the boot. I was thinking it was more of a toe poke, toe punt, um, straight past the goalkeeper, you know, this kind of instinctive finish, I imagine, which is sometimes the best finishes, particularly in this division. You don't want players thinking about it too much. Nothing wrong with a toe poke. 
yeah, nothing wrong with Topoke. And uh, the keeper obviously has no chance because it's got good pace on it from that distance. And yeah, great to see Nathaniel Mendesland get that first goal of the season. He has been really, I wouldn't even say hot and cold, mostly cold, I think, this season. I think he's just worn out, as we've covered before. He's probably getting overplayed a bit. Um, but what was good about his performance tonight, and I think what's good about having Kane Wilson on the pitch, is Kane Wilson stays out mostly in that ride white position, and that gives Mendes Lang the freedom to roam about a bit more. Uh, wasn't sure exactly of what his starting position was, and I think that was quite deliberate. So he was kind of popping up in multiple places, and he can cause havoc when he gets on the ball. So, yeah, really good goal. And I thought, you know, Derby certainly deserved that lead in the first half. They started brightly, in, you know, tonight. And they have started brightly in other home games. But the difference was they got the goal. And the goal actually came after about 10 minutes of Exeter kind of getting back into the game and it looking like it might follow a similar pattern. So, yeah, it very well uh, worked goal and very well timed goal. The other thing to note from that goal is is the number of players in the box behind Mendes Lang because the the reason Mendes Lang had so much space and and to an extent Bird had so much space bursting through was the number of men we had forward. I think I counted five men in the box if you if you include Bird, but four men that he was aiming for. How often have we seen that this this season for for Derby? Like get men in the box and you score goals. It's it's quite simple really. So hopefully that's. Bit of a bit of a turning point, and we we start to see that much more often going forward. Got some big breaking news on SBW. Um, I'm going to claim it's news, might be fake news, but uh, over on the Discord, some of our patrons uh, chewing the fat on the game, and uh, Tom Oliver, one of our patrons, has posted uh, that someone he sits next to uh, grabbed a quick selfie with David Klaus outside Pride Park after the Exeter game, and uh, his friend put it to him. Uh, about Warren's future and apparently Klaus said to him that Paul Warren is absolutely not getting sacked. He's been given time because it's a long-term rebuild project. He reiterated he's an experienced manager with a record of success at his level. Tom also does make the point in fairness to him that if he was going to, Klaus clearly wouldn't tell him, would he? Oh yeah, I've got his P45 right here. Yeah, he's going to be... Yeah, he's gone in the morning, mate. Don't worry about it. I I guess it is nice to to, to hear that in, in whatever context David Cloud means it. So we'll come on to the wider discussion on um, on the pressure on Warren and his future in the second half. Um, but as we said, Anton, another much-needed goal. Connor Washington chipping in in the second half. A few minutes before that, we're tearing our hair out, weren't we? Um, big break on. James Collins has the freedom of Pride Park in front of him, in front of the south stand. Barkhausen screaming for it in the right channel, but it doesn't get his head up and just P-rolls one wide of the post. We got away with one there, didn't we? Because we've been wasteful in places like that before and it's cost us. We've shot ourselves in the foot, but thankfully we sort of kept the intensity on. Uh, we created more chances and I was really pleased for Washington. I was really pleased he got that goal because he does work hard. Haven't really seen enough of him in terms of posting numbers since he scored against Burton, although he hasn't really had that many minutes. But um, again, also took his goal really well, I thought. Yeah, and in, in fairness to not taking our chances, we did score very much a legitimate goal with Mendes Lang's header, which was uh, kind of somehow chalked off by the linesman. I'm not really sure what, what he saw there. But um, yeah, Collins didn't really do himself any favours tonight. I, I do feel like the, the stick he gets is... 
a bit over the top at times, but he, he did struggle a bit tonight and that, that should have been quite a simple ball to Barkhausen and, and potentially a, the, the second goal a little bit earlier. But the, the goal did come, which is quite a surprise for Derby. Quite often we throw away those situations, don't we? But it was relatively comfortable in the end. And, and, and another good goal, it was more good work from Fozzy on the left-hand side, read the, the, the play really well. Um, got it up to Washington and and Washington's movement was really good throughout throughout I thought when he came on he really impacted the game he's quite quite intelligent the way he runs with the ball especially in behind um, and it was a really good finish I, I actually thought he he almost took the wrong option because there, there were a couple of players over to the right hand side but he, he took the shot on and he clearly saw the keeper was a, a little bit out of position it was a really good goal in the end uh, there was a bit of chat on our, our discord about Washington's role in this team because he always works really hard and, and looks good when he's um, w- when he's on the pitch and it feels like he could get a few more minutes to be honest um, him and Waggy seem to to link up quite well at times I know they didn't play together tonight but that could be a good option um, Sibley again flattered to deceive a little bit so I, I'd like to see a little bit more of Washi gives um gives that extra legs and and kind of stretches play and and gives us the tempo which which often leads to 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 our best moments uh, on the pitch. Yeah, I was saying I was saying quite early on in the season and Chris was laughing at me that Washi and Waggy could certainly be a thing and we you know we did see those two particularly you know, connect quite a lot uh, in the in the in the first few games of the season combine and assist each other for goals and I don't know if Washington's had niggles or or Warren has been, I don't know, under, you know, not impressed by him because he's had not much game time at all. Like he hasn't even come off the bench that much. I thought he would have started in particularly some of more of the away games where you might want that outlook because he is the one that can, he's not lightning fast, but he works hard enough and is quick enough to run the channels and hold up the ball. You know, he's not going to get you 20 goals in the season, but I do think he's a perfectly good enough striker to be playing more minutes in this team, in this league. Um, and he does offer you something a bit different, which creates space for other people. Waghorn's been in a pretty lean spell the last few weeks. And I do think part of that is because he hasn't had someone like a Washington type player in front of him. I much want, I'd much rather us, I'd much rather see us playing with two out and out strikers, whether that's Waghorn and Washington or Waghorn and Collins. I think my preference would be Waghorn and Washington at the moment, rather than Waghorn or one of the others with, Sibley or Bird behind him in a 10 um, I just think you you just have a bit more dimension to you and I think as I said before we should be good enough in this league to dominate teams and to have two strikers up front and Washington would be one of those for me. Ordinarily I'd, I like having that number 10 because I, I think the balance is is better and it, it creates more angles and more space I, I just don't think we have a good enough number 10 to, to play that system so I, I think what you're saying does make sense, Kutch. Uh, as much as I'd love Sibley to to get a run in that number ten and really make it his own, I just I just think he's been given so many chances that it's it's just not working. I'm I'm not sure he's good enough at at this level. I, I don't really understand the the clamour for for him to get another run because he just doesn't really seem to show up. I can't remember the last good performance he had in the league. Um, so yeah, I think what Washi and, and Waggy is probably our best option at the moment. Um, but when you've got the likes of, of Barkhausen and Mendes Lang and Kane Wilson all, all putting in good shifts out wide and looking threatening, I don't think you necessarily need a, a 20, 25 man 
goal uh, goal striker up front. We've we've discussed it on the pod before, but we, we I'd much rather have kind of several players chipping in with goals um, than rely on on one player like uh, uh, David McGoldrick. How much do you think we really learned from tonight, though, Coach? This two 0 win over Exeter, as you said, they're bang out of form. Lost their last five. In all comps, um, it was absolutely the game that we had to win and we did what we had to without looking spectacular. But in the wider context of the season, like Stevenage away at the weekend is going to be the big test of whether we can really kick on. And a lot of fans have been talking about our season not really getting going. We've only won back-to-back games uh, once this season when we beat Fleetwood and then beat Fleetwood at home and Peterborough away in uh, in August and since then it's really been one step forward two steps back so um how much do you read into this performance and and how much it can really affect our chances for the record it's um Stevenage away then Northampton at home then uh, then the cup game away at Crewe uh then the uh, then the pizza cup and then Barnsley at home in uh, on November the 11th. Massive game that. Um, surely that would be a huge indication of, of uh, where we're at. Barnsley currently third in League One. But um, as I said, how much how much do you, do you read into this result coach tonight in the context of the season? I don't know if I don't know if I've learned anything new really about the team tonight in particular. I think more importantly, it might have reminded some of the team that they can score a goal. They can create chances. Um, it might have reminded Paul Warren that we can uh, play football a bit more on the front foot and be creative while still looking pretty solid at the back. Um, for me, the whole this whole thing is consistency. Like we, we apart from uh, Blackpool away and, and Peterborough away in patches, I think we've said before that the Peter result probably flattered us on on that day, um, but we were clinical. Apart from that, those games, like the the level of performance has generally been poor. So you can't even say it's a purely consistency thing because the, t- the general consistency has been bad. I think it might have reminded them that they have got performances in them and they can perform at home. Um, for, for me, I've said it before, I'll say it again, this, this, the squad is good enough to be top six and will come at least top six and we'll come on to it in the second half. But for me, the, the, the longer we underperform, considering how I rate the squad, the, the worst that reflects on Paul Warren. So it it should just remind people that there is a team there, uh, which means either if they continue to underperform, then there will be consequences, or it means that they will come good eventually. It's just whether or not it's too late. Uh, I still think it isn't too late. I still think you can put a good run together. And, I, and like Anton, I think Warren is capable of putting a run together of this team. But for me, it just reminded people maybe a bit of what the team's capable of, even if it wasn't a... You know, a fantastic performance again to pretty crap. Uh, five losses on the bounce, Exeter side. So a bit more chat on Paul Warren in just a second, but uh, a cracking little interview over on the SBW Patreon this month where we had a, uh, a really revealing, candid and uh, refreshing sit-down interview with Mark O'Brien, uh, the Irish centre-back who, uh, of course, played for Derby around uh, around 10, 12, 13 years ago, but had to retire from football age 27 after uh, being diagnosed with a life-threatening heart condition. Uh, really good chat of OB, uh, a really popular character still with fans at the club. And uh, here he is telling myself 
and Tom, his message to anyone like him facing major challenges in their life that they think they cannot overcome? I think the only advice that I've ever thought about giving to people, and I can only judge it off how I dealt with things, is you just don't give up. I think if you think speaking out is weak and you think giving in and asking for help is weak, it's it's the complete opposite. It's the strongest thing you can do. So I think it's the fact of you don't give up on your situation, no matter what it makes you feel and no matter how you feel about it. It's about tell a friend, tell a stranger, talk to somebody and offer saying that you are struggling. And I think when you do that and you seek that out, that's your first step of not giving up. And you just, you, you tire out every last little bit of, avenue that you may find yourself in and I've always said that for myself through injuries that I've had through the life situations that I've had I've always given myself the reason of saying okay just one more day because one more day might be that day that everything just changes that everything gets better and that one more day might just be well you know what I don't want to sit in regret so I'm going to give it that one more day and, and maybe tomorrow things could get better and it's about it just appreciate the small things like if, when you start appreciating the small things because I've had to strip my whole life back and my small things to appreciate is the fact that I got up in the morning, the fact that I'm actually awake, the fact that I can still be involved in football, all of them little small things that I used to overlook make my days so much better. So uh, hear that one in full on the SBW Patreon and membership service, just the price of a cheapish coffee per month or uh, possibly an overpriced pint. And uh, you can get that one by signing up over at patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomers Washing. Hi, I'm Nathaniel Mendes Lang, and you're listening to Steve Bloomers Washing. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully. With expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Russell checking what's on in the box. It's a lovely ball. Dawkins! Five! What an impudent finish from the Jamaican international. Backheeled it in. It's raining goals on the banks of the Thames. So welcome back to Steve Bloomer's Washing. One that I had to run past you both because we haven't podded since the Shrewsbury game. Uh, we're not going to dwell on that one. Awful game, awful results. Those full-time scenes, you don't see that sort of thing every day, do you, Anton? Uh, Connor Harrahan, I don't want to say confronting, uh, but having a passionate uh, discussion with some fans at the front of the away end uh, following that 1-0 reverse. Um, it's an interesting poll put out by uh, one of our patrons, Jimmy McLaughlin, about who um, 
where fans stood in it, whether they thought Harahan and fans had the right to do what they did, whether just Harahan did and the fans were in the wrong or both were in the wrong or just the fans were in the right. I think most people tended to think that both the fans and Harahan um, had every right to do what they did, to voice their opinions and to give a bit back. I guess on the one hand, Anton, it's good to see Harahan fronting up effectively um, showing that this team cares, that he cares. He's not going through the motions that was accused of him, you know, with his sort of part-time role at Villa and he's not on the peak of his career anymore. Um, but on the other hand, like nothing ever really comes good of the of doing this sort of thing, does it? Of trying to have a rational debate with fans in the away end after a 1-0 defeat. Um, what was your initial reaction when you saw those pictures and footage? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not a great look all round, is it? Um, I can understand both sides of the coin, really. I mean, f- fans who who pay to go and watch the club have every right to voice their opinion. They they pay, pay him good money and, and they expect to see good performances. Where I, I don't like to see it is where it gets personal and aggressive, which I, I think it did slightly cross the line on, on Saturday. Um, emotions were high. It was it was at the final whistle, so it, it's understandable. Um, from Harrohan's perspective, um, it's it's commendable in in a way. Um, he's he's kind of standing up as, as as the captain to to try and just answer some of the questions of the fans. But as you say, nothing ever really comes good of of those situations when when the emotions are so high. It's it's never going to end well, really. So I whether that's the best approach or whether actually facing up to it in 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 an interview or, or kind of a couple of days later with fans might have been the best approach it's as i say it's it's not a good look and it's it was pretty toxic and and at at the time it, it looked pretty bleak for for Paul Warren and and how he could he he could kind of win fans back because once you get away fans particularly on your back it's it's a long way uh, it's a long way back from there, but all you can do it f- from the players and, and the staff's perspective is to to work on on things on the pitch. If you if we start winning games, start playing better football, then we'll soon get the fans back, and and we know how good uh, our fans can be, and and how how much we we back the side, especially away from home, but uh, at Pride Park as well. So if we get the, the, the fans on sides, then um, hopefully the the results will come off the back of it. Coach, I did notice that the club did put Harrahan up in the the pre-Exeter presser, although he is captain, to be fair. So it's it, maybe I'm just just that's just coincidence, and I'm putting two two together on uh, on that one. But I mean, what do you make of Paul Warren's demeanour generally? I mean, he, he has snapped at Dom, not snapped at. He's he's had a bit of a raised eyebrow at Dom Dietrich a, a couple of times and prickled slightly at one or two questions. Um, I mean, at Shrewsbury, he didn't really seem to have the demeanour of um, of someone who was particularly owning the bad running form. Um, the the interviews since he was at pains to say he understands why we find it frustrating. Again, being very honest, but not really offering any huge answers or solutions or methods in which he's going to try and turn it around. Um, how do you think he's reacting to this sort of mini crisis in form at the moment? I think it's hard to tell, isn't it? Because it is so, it's, 
for any player or manager, it's so emotional after the full-time whistle to go out in front of media and answer questions, some of which you may not agree with, although you know it's not his right to agree or to disagree with questions that he's asked by the media. He's just got to answer them. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's... I think he is probably struggling with with the size of the club and the size of the task. And I think he, I imagine that inside uh, the dressing room and the behind closed doors, I imagine he is disappointed with the performance. Well, he's certainly be disappointed with the results. And I'm sure he should be disappointed with the performances because it's not like there's been loads of games we should have won and we've just gone the rub- wrong side of the, you know, uh, got not got the rub of the green or, we, or we've had, loads of terrible refereeing decisions there have been loads of terrible refereeing decisions that's what that's what we're in we're in league one and there's bad decisions on both sides but i think what's frustrated fans in his demeanor or the way he's acted is he kind of has tried to kind of paper over the cracks in his interviews he hasn't you know said that it's not good enough the performance should be better but maybe that's his management style. Maybe he's not the kind of manager to go out and ball his team out in front of in front of the fans, in front of the media. And maybe he's saying more behind closed doors. We just don't know. I, but I do think he has been more irritable. As I said earlier in the pod, I do think he has obviously been very much aware, reading, hearing kind of fans' complaints and fan sentiments. Um, whether that or not that has any impact on his own selection, his own tactics. I mean, my opinion should be it shouldn't have any impact, right? He should know what he wants to do and know what the team's not doing and, and correct it himself. Yeah, I, I think tonight is really I think tonight was really important to get that win just to kind of maybe ease things off a bit and he can concentrate on on hopefully putting together a team to put out another good performance uh, and, a, and another good result uh, on Saturday against a team which obviously has been ahead of us uh, all season. So it will be interesting to see what his demeanor is like post-Stevenage if, if it was to go. Well, either way. I want to run my overall prediction past year. So I posted this after the Shrewsbury game, just what I think will happen. Um, posting it here in a moment, so it could be complete nonsense. But I just feel, again, I can't see Klaus pulling the trigger anytime soon, no matter how bad it gets. And I don't think it will get hugely worse than what it is now. Uh, I, feel, I think it will give Warren another window. I know Paul Warren didn't really do enough in the last January window, maybe partly because he should have done more, maybe because he couldn't do more. Uh, I think one of Bird or Cashin will go in January. Uh, Cashin obviously very close to going to Brighton. They had, was it three or four bids turned down? Bird was linked with Hull. Um, I mean, Cashin's like an international defender playing for a mid-table League One team. That just can't carry on happening forever. So I'd be amazed if we keep both of them. Um, that will free up some funds. I don't know how well how much that is linked to us then having the opportunity to pay Warren off. They're probably not really connected, really, are they? I'm sure it's not as simple as that. But I think we'll end up maybe finishing probably outside the playoffs again. Um, I don't know. Maybe this result was maybe a bit more optimistic beating Exeter, but it doesn't quite look like right now we've got enough to challenge for the top six um, unless the playing style improves or we get a bit more reinforcements in Jan. So I think we finish somewhere between seventh and 10th. And I think then I reckon Klaus will pull the trigger in the summer. I know that we said in the first half that Klaus has apparently told a fan outside Pride Park tonight that he's a long-term appointment, but he was bound to say that. So that's what I think will happen. I know it's really early to, t- to, to say because we are still in late October, but 
how have the last few weeks shaped Warren's future, Cutch, do you think? And what's your hunch on, on whether he'll last the season or not? It's impossible to say, Chris, because if he loses the next five games, he doesn't. He probably doesn't make it to January. Um, and if he wins the next five games, and then then that's great. And then we'll see how the rest of the season goes. I mean, I think if we do finish outside the playoffs, he he should be and would be gone. Uh, if we finish outside the playoffs this season, and I imagine if it's looking very likely that we're going to finish outside the playoffs, you know, before the end of the season, then maybe you'll go a little bit earlier even, because I know you said it couldn't, it probably won't get or can't get much worse than it is now. However, if it continues at this rate and we stay in ninth, 10th position and, and increasingly aren't threatening the playoffs, then that is worse, right? Because he's had more time and it hasn't got better. So if it stays as it is now, that is getting worse in my opinion. It, there's got to actually be improvement in results and in performances and in the league position. Uh, for him to turn things around. And I think there's a good chance there will be. Like, I, I'm not writing him off. I think I've kind of edged more towards the the kind of, he probably isn't the right man camp in the last few weeks. However, that's not an entrenched position that I have. You know, for me, it's a fluid situation. He, he goes in a run, he wins the next two, three, four games. And, and, uh, and you take it from there and you suddenly think, okay, we can get some momentum. As I said, the squad's good enough to get top six at, at least. You know, I'm not saying we deserve to be fourth or anything, but there have been a couple of games. You hold on an extra couple of minutes against Pompey and you get three points against them. You know, that team should have beat Cheltenham, obviously, straight after beating Blackpool. Those two results, and you are, I think, in fifth or fourth place. So the team, it's not a million miles away, even though we've been shit, right? So I do think it's it's easily turnaroundable, but it's got to happen soon. I, I tend to agree with Cutch rather than you, Chris, around the the, the quality of the squad. I, I I do think it's it's good enough to to be top six and it, potentially even top two with under the right management. But going back to your prediction, Chris, I, I I think if if that comes true with with one of Bird or or Cashin leaving or or even both, it'll, I'm really intrigued to see what happens with recruitment because I. <laughs> I was a bit baffled, to be honest, with with the the recruitment, certainly in the second half of the window in in the summer, because I I was really excited about the the appointment of Mark Thomas from from Oxford. He he did some brilliant stuff um, at Oxford in in kind of bringing through players from lower leagues and and from uh, the likes of Scotland and Ireland in, into that team, which I think is exactly what we were crying out for at. The, the right age profile but we didn't seem to do that and I'm not sure where that came from whether that was a direction from from Warren and his staff or, or whether it's just a, a slightly different approach from Mark Thomas at a different club but I'd, I'd really like to go down that route if if we do get a bit of money um, because I, I think that's that's the best way to get out of this, this division and if we were to build a squad like that I think we, we we can really challenge in the second half of the season or certainly going into next season. I think on that point, Chris, and this kind of ties into one of my main concerns about Paul Warren longer term, is he's not a coach. He's a manager. He's not the kind of player that I don't that is on the training ground working directly one on one with players and improving players. Um, and I don't even think that the other coaching staff are. I think they have a style of play which they want to implement and they think is the formula to get promoted. But it's not about improving. Paul Warren may well disagree with this and find this an offensive thing for me to say. But I think he's not about improving individual players. And I think if you go down the Mark Thomas route, 
which I would also like to see of of kind of being having a good scouting network, picking up kind of undervalued players in lower leagues, um, leagues around the UK and improving them. I think you need to have a coach who's able to improve players. And I don't think that's what Paul Warren and his team are there to do. I think they're purely there to put in a formula of play, which they believe is the right formula to get promoted. And my concern about that is that might have been the right formula three, three years ago, two years ago. But the teams that get promoted from League One more recently are playing good football uh, and they're playing a more progressive style of football. And I wonder if Paul Warren is an appointment which is two years too late. It's hard to say on that front, though, isn't it? Because Paul, we've only got one other job to judge Paul Warren on, and, and that was at a Rotherham team who were punching above their weight with a very low budget, a, a much smaller club than than Derby are. So that that was the style of play which worked for Rotherham with, with the squad that he had at his disposal. He's coming into a completely different job. And I, I think sometimes it's easy to shoehorn managers into one particular style, but the best managers are, are ones who can adapt. I'm not saying we've seen that from Paul Warren yet, but there's still time for him to adapt to a different type of club, a different type of recruitment. And I think we you have to give him a bit of a chance with a couple of windows to, to bring in his own players. I know he's, he's, he's had the summer, uh, which didn't quite go according to plan, but with a little bit of a budget to spend and, and bringing players through, you never know what can happen. So I wouldn't write him off just yet. Come on then, let's have it before we go. I know you've just given some very nuanced insight into <laughs> Paul Warren, but in or out, let's do it. Um, look, personally, I'll go first. I'm still in. I know it's not going to be a popular answer with a lot of fans, but I'm just just still clinging on to with the barest parts of my fingertips, the Paul Warren that managed the 15-game unbeaten run of the league, the Paul Warren whose Derby team have gone to difficult places this season and won comfortably and scored lots of goals doing it, um, the Paul Warren who has got a team out of this division three times. I know, even with a formula, as you just said, Kutch, that maybe isn't one that can work right now. Anton, are you Paul Warren in or Paul Warren out? I'm I'm still just about in. I think I I, I still believe it it can be turned around. To agreeing with a lot of the points you made, to be honest, and it, it's important to think about who would come in to replace him as well. I mean, there there have been a lot of names banded around on socials this week, the likes of Eustace and and Chris Wilder and and Warnock. I I don't know whether those managers would come down to League One, to be honest, especially John Eustace is is the, the standout candidate. But he, he's going to have championship clubs all over him, given the job that he did at Birmingham. So I don't think we'd be able to lure him down to, to League One. So I'm not sure who else we'd go for at the moment. If things t- t- take a turn and, and don't improve over the next few few weeks and months, then, yeah, we will have to make a change. But for now, just about in. Coach, I mean, the big question is, whenever this happens, a few ne- the same names get trotted out. So if one leaves, could Igor Stimak lead a team to League One promotion by doing it on a cold Wednesday night in Leighton Orient? Um, possibly, but it wouldn't be my choice. Um, every fun, time right? every time not... he gets mentioned and it's never going to happen, is it? It's ridiculous. No, it's not. I don't know what is. Is, is he playing a progressive style of football in India or wherever he is now? No I don't idea. know. Like, Absolutely um, no idea. I, I think to answer your question, though, Chris, as I said, I am not in, I am not in an in, entrenched position on this. Um, 
but as i said i am closer to out than in so if, if you were to force me into a extreme i would say worn out i wouldn't be sacking him tomorrow morning uh but i lost a little bit of patience i think and tonight yeah hopefully could be the start of turning it around but yeah probably more on the worn out side I mean, i'll take anton's point about needing to know who comes in in some ways i'd like if we if we were to change our manager which i don't expect we will i'd like it to be someone i've never heard of and it to be someone who's been well researched and is an up-and-coming coach we don't know about because we're not actually that in, well informed and uh, they could be they've got no connection to derby county and they've been appointed because they are uh, actually an innovative forward-thinking uh, football coach uh, that would be my choice, but I don't know who that person is. So we'll stick with Paul one for now. A lot of uh, ifs and buts to come before we get to that point. Uh, so the first one being Stevenage away on Saturday. I'll be there. Really looking forward to that one. Um, a repeat visit cut of the hottest day of the year when I watched your face almost melt off in a McDonald's <laughs> off an A road in Stevenage <laughs> before the game. Uh, it'll probably be about what, uh, maybe about 35 degrees, 30, 35 degrees colder than when I last went. Yeah. So that's exciting. Yes. I mean, I imagine five degrees would be preferable to 40 degrees. Um, <laughs> I imagine it'd be warmer than five degrees though. So mate, you might be all right. I think it'd be good. I'm gutted not to be joining you, uh, Chris, in Stevenage because it was a lovely part of the world from what I remember and enjoyed him at McDonald's. It was. Uh, Anton, thanks for joining, man. Yeah, cheers, Chris. And uh, Kutch, let's go again. When we speak again in a few weeks' time, all will be rosy again. Let's keep the faith, eh? Take care.